0: but this morning uh uh i just have a message on my heart and i just kind of prayed over it all this week in this area and uh last week we shared with the passing of our dear friend Donnie Moore and uh then yesterday as we're driving back we we found out that they were you know in the middle of we found it just before we left. They're doing his service. They were going to do the service on um, this Saturday, yesterday. So, man, we're 500 miles away. How do we get back and do all that? So they were live streaming it. We got to watch it and be a part of that. And then I'm driving and crying and stuff and going through this whole thing. And so I was telling Jake as we were loading up, I said, because it's kind of crazy. I mean, my kids grew up at camp. I grew up at camp <laughs> to a degree. I, I, I'm going to youth camp. I just, God always did something in my life. It it wasn't, I like what Tim Delina says, it wasn't church camp, it, it was an encounter with God. And uh, every time I went there, God did something in my life. I went there just to be with our kids and be a part of that. But God would do something in my life. And, uh, and then being friends with Donnie and that. But then knowing that my kids and my, all my grandkids grew up there. So while Tim is speaking, he was talking about this message that Donnie was preaching. And, and Jake's in the background. I remember that service. I was there. And I'm, then I'm really crying. <laughs> but Donnie was awesome. And uh, I told Jake as we were packing up, I said, I, I keep feeling like he's going to call me and ask me, are you going to be at my memorial? <laughs> 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 Amen. So, he was like that. He'd just call you up. Hey, can you come? Can you do this? I was doing stuff and that. And then I thought, man, I'll never get that phone call again because he would call like on a Friday night. Hey, Don. I have an opening Sunday morning. Can I come? I go, Donnie, you should call like at least a week ahead or something. (laughs) and that. But over the years, so many great years and together. So this morning, I just wanted to share a message just in his honor in encouraging you to climb your ladder to the top. Donnie Moore was a motivator. And he lived to motivate people to win and to live all out for God. And uh, so this morning, I want you to open your Bibles up to Philippians chapter 3. And I'm to go this. I want to talk about climbing your ladder to the top, or the upward call of God, answering God's upward call upon your life. And uh, I, uh, I really, uh, in listening to the memorial service yesterday, I heard his brother, oldest brother, make a statement and was talking about where Donnie uh, made the choice to give up pursuing professional sports. Um, he played baseball, but he was a quarterback for ULP. And had an amazing arm and probably could have been drafted and gone on to a professional career and done amazingly. And his brother tried to encourage him to go that route first and then, uh, you know, answer the call of God and then preach to young people. And so you you probably have more influence and impact if you would, you know, had that uh, credential behind you of being a professional athlete. And then in the eulogy, his brother said, I'm glad he didn't take my advice. Because he had such a greater impact on the campuses and giving for God. But there was a price that he paid to say yes to God. And that's part of what we're going to talk about this morning in that area. But Donnie was a motivator to see people win. And uh, so this morning, I believe the Apostle Paul uh, did the very same thing. He wanted everybody to win and to believe in who they are in Christ, and to see that fulfillment in their lives. So if you have your Bibles in uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1, let me just encourage you again. I really want to encourage you. I'm so thankful. I use technology all the time, but there's nothing like a paper Bible. I I know it's heavy. I know it's cumbersome. I know it's extra weight. I know you do that, and we're in such a convenience world. But I think convenience sometimes can dull us to a degree, and so I want to encourage you, be a person that comes with a pencil and a piece of paper. And 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 in that, it's an expectancy for God to say something to you. That in every, any, anywhere you go, anytime it's being preached, expecting God to say something to you. Be ready to record that and to write that down. And then to make your own notes and put things in there. Amen? Amen. I just encourage you to do it. You, Attack this any way you want. Philippians chapter three and verse one. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious. Paul said, to, "But for you it is safe." So to remind you the same things over and over, we're always looking for a new thing. Sometimes we just need to get the first thing down. Verse 2, he starts out, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. Those are three proofs of really what it means to be a Christian. That you worship God in the Spirit, you rejoice in Christ Jesus, and you have no confidence in the flesh. Everything is in and through and by His grace. Amen? And so he says, though I also though may have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he might have confidence in the flesh, I more so Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law. I was a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Verse 7, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted law for Christ, yet indeed Made conform and being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Verse 12 Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Somebody say, I press on. Look what Paul says I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus. "...has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do." Say, one thing I do. "...forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." We're talking about climbing our ladder to the top, the upward call of God receiving that verse fifteen therefore let as many l- therefore let us as many as are mature or perfected have this mind if in anything you think otherwise God reveal even will reveal even this to you verse sixteen nevertheless to the degree that we have already attained let us walk by the same rule let us be of the same mind Amen. verse seventeen brethren join me Join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven. Amen? And listen there. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. A lot of people saying today Jesus isn't coming back. There's no return to the Lord. Well, I think I defer to Paul. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our Our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, may joy, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Father, I thank you in these next few moments, Lord, that you'll give us clarity of insight and understanding. Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you'll impart truth to us that'll help every person in this building this morning take that next step in their growth and their maturity in Christ. In Jesus' name. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. Look at the cover of your outline, if you would. We all have had at one time or another special people in our lives that wanted nothing more for us than to see us reach our highest potential in life. I can say that about Donnie. When you went to camp, his whole goal for young people was, was to see them reach their potential. When he spoke on high school campuses and, and to over 2 million young people across the nation, you would hear him encouraging, man, don't let anybody else give you an identity that God didn't give you. Don't let anybody set your goals for you. Come on, b- dream and believe to be all that God created you to be. Amen? And so we've all had somebody like that. It could have been our parents, a teacher, a friend, a mentor, a pastor, or any one of a number of people. But we must know this, the desires of others for your life will never take you to where you or they want to go. Somebody else's desires for your life will never become your goal. Amen. It just doesn't work that way. Living to fulfill somebody else's desire, you never fully complete then No one can live to fulfill another's expectations. Nobody's able to live. Let me just put you like this. Nobody will ever live up to your expectations for themselves. Amen. And so quit putting so many expectations upon other people. You'll be less discouraged. Amen. Well, I expect them to be. I expected this. I expect that. I expected this. I, nobody can live up to your expectation. We don't even live up to our own expectations for ourselves. Amen. Let alone impose those upon other people. You eliminate a lot of frustration and heartache in your life. Place expectations upon yourself and let other people give it their best shot. Amen. Amen. Only you. Write this down on your notes someplace. Only you can set the goal for your life. Only you. Can set the goal for your life. Nobody else. When you leave. Because if you're doing that. If you're letting somebody else do it. Then you're living your whole life trying to please somebody else. Never being who you were created to be. Don't live to please other people. Live to please God. God's given you a goal, and then the great thing about God, God's goal, He said, "This is what I'm doing. I'm going to conform you into the image of My Son, and I'm going to give you the power of My Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you My Word. I'm going to give you the resources. I'll give you everything you need. I'll equip you with everything you need to be the what I and who I created you to be." Amen. So reaching the top of the ladder of your life is a personal choice of commitment and dedication to the cause. You're going to have to make a personal choice and make a commitment to be dedicated to the cause. I don't care if it's a career, an education, a relationship, a ministry, or even the upward call of heaven. There's going to have to be personal commitment. You're not going to show up in heaven by accident. You're not going to get there and go, whoa, I didn't know I was going to show up here. Nobody's going to show up in hell by accident. You're going everywhere on purpose. Even if you're going nowhere, you're going nowhere on purpose. Amen. So you have to make that choice to be committed to the cause. No goal for our life is ever reached apart from our personal effort and desire to attain it. In fact, I can appreciate my friend Cecil, and we're look, talking at the plan before service, and he just said, and I, and I haven't declared yet, he said, well, what, what, what's your date? Do you have a date for that to begin? I said, well, I don't know when they're going to let us begin by the time we get through the whole process and everything, but I know where I want to end up. Next year, August of next year, will be 30 years for Solid Rock Face Center being in existence. Amen. How many would agree with me that by our 30-year anniversary on the 1st of September, we'd be in a new sanctuary? Amen. So we'll just shoot for that. That'll be our goal. We're going to shoot for September 30th and have a dedication and our 30-year celebration in a brand new sanctuary. Does that sound all right? Amen. So what do we do? You set a goal. You set a destination. And you shoot for that. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul gave us this classic illustration of this principle. So as we walk through this outline from Philippians 3, we get a guideline for climbing our ladder to the top and attaining the upward call of heaven. Look inside. The first thing we must know, what we want and where we want to go. Let me ask you, what about in life? What do you want out of life? Where do you want to go? Most people go, I don't know. Well, then you'll settle for anything. And you have so much more potential than just settling for anything. You have amazing Potential on the inside of you. Why settle for just anything? Why not be specific? You must know what you want and where you want to go. I cannot reach my destination unless I know where I'm going. We're driving back yesterday and and, and we get down a a, a little outside of of, uh, below Garberville in this area there. And there's a road just out and it says Highway 271. It doesn't have any destination. Not anything. To say with it. it's just Highway Number Two Seventy One. There's the overpass where you get off, but it doesn't tell you where it goes. It tell you anything. and it's out in the middle of nowhere. That is the road to nowhere. So if you want to go nowhere, it's Highway Two Seventy One off of One O One just before you get to Garberville. Amen. It's the road to nowhere. And I go, who would go out there? Amen. But. You have to know where you're going. Paul had his eyes focused on the prize of gaining Christ. We read, Paul says, I'm out to win Christ. I want to gain Christ. We must define exactly what we are after. This morning you have an outline with blanks in it, fill in the blank. And so you have to define exactly what are you after. What are you after in life? What's your goal? What are you believing for? What is your faith connected to? Faith has to have something to connect to. If you don't know what it is you're after or where it is you are going, how will you know when you get it when you get there or recognize it when it shows up? I don't know it. How am I know I'm going to get there? You can get on any road out here. It'll take you somewhere. So if you're going nowhere, any road will do. But if you want to get to a specific destination, you have to chart a course to get there. Are you with me? That's what Paul is telling us to do. So right here, I gave you some things. Define your goal and then date it and do it. That's what we shared with you last year. For our church, we've defined some things that we're going to do. We've put a date to it and we're going to do it. Can you say amen? Amen. So in September, on September 9th, we are relaunching our church. We're believed to go into 400 on Sunday morning, 150 in first service, 250 in second service. We're revamping our services. We're focusing on children's ministry. We've defined what we want to do. Are you with me? And then we're working towards that. And so you have to do that. But let me back it up just a little bit. And let me tell you on a personal level, the first thing you want to do is define what type of Christian do you want to be? Define the spiritual before the natural. A lot of people start out saying, you know, I just want to get a good education and a good job. And a lot of it today, I believe in college education, but I believe there ought to be some more vocational education. Amen. Amen. Because all the guys that do the jobs that don't want to get their hands dirty need them to build something, and the working wage has gone way up. You can make a good living building for people who don't know how to even know what a wrench is. Amen. Vocational education is a great occupation. But people say, what do you want to do? Well, so we we usually start out with natural goals and set out with natural dreams and natural achievement. And then we try to figure out after that how to find room for God. So decide what type of Christian you want to be first. What type of believer do you want to be? Amen. What type of Christian do you want to be? Well, I just want to be a Sunday morning, go hear a good sermon Christian. Be nice to everybody, live my life. Never really impact or make any kingdom influence on anybody. I don't really care if I change anybody's life. Well, how many know we could shoot a little higher than that? That's not much of a bar. Hey, Ben, that's pretty low. So we could raise that up. What if we just believed that I could win one soul with my life? I'm start just believing I could win one person, make a difference in somebody's life, help one person, be, make somebody else raise up. In fact, I should have brought it up here, but it, uh, uh, I had a quote from Donnie where he's preaching, and he's talking about uh, uh, watch for falling rocks. Have you ever seen that sign alongside the road, watch for falling rocks? And he's talking about it in evangelism, and, and doing so when it comes to evangelism, watch for falling rocks. Because life is filled with people buried under fallen rocks of circumstances. And whenever there's an earthquake or a storm or something happens and people are buried under rubble, nobody in there wants to stay there. And so just look for people who are buried under the fallen rocks of life circumstances. And those are the people you can read. Say, God used me to rescue somebody out of the rubble of a broken down life. Amen? So, what if we set that God? Use me to rescue people. Use me to help people. I like what Jim and Lisa do in helping our veteran get, get, find housing. They build tiny houses out of that tiny house. Then they find a place to set the tiny house. And then they put a veteran in there and help him have a place to live and get off the streets and not be homeless and add value back to life. How many know you could do that? There, there's just anything. Say, God, help you do that. You hear them, they have a dream and desire. Then God begins to open doors to make that happen. Just have a dream for yourself, set a goal. Paul said, this is my goal. Yeah, I want to win Christ. So make attaining Christ and growing in your relationship with God and then let God add natural dreams and goals to that. Are you with me? See, this is true regardless whether the goal is a destination or uh, regardless of the goal or the destination. Many think that reaching spiritual goals achieving Bible promises comes to pass in some other way. So natural goals, yeah, we have to define it, date it, do it, do all that stuff, but we think that spiritual things just happen automatically. That isn't true. You have to have a spiritual goal. What type of believer do you want to be? What's your prayer life going to look like? What's your devotional life going to look like? What's your family life, your service life? What are you going to do? How are you going to do that? Write it out. Many think they just come to pass, Bible promises just come to pass with time. You can write that in there, with time. They don't Don't just come to pass with time. I know people have been believing for things forever, but they're not really organized or defining or exercising their faith towards achieving it. It kind of goes back to, well, I'm a hoping and a praying. Well, what are you doing besides that? Nothing. You know when it's going to show up? Never. Because it takes more than just hoping and praying. It it takes some shoe labor. It takes some activity. It takes some investment. It takes some sowing if you're going to have reaping. Amen? You have to invest. You have to sow into it. Think about it. We must know that almost every promise in the Bible is conditional. Meaning that God says, if you do this, I will do this. Almost every promise in the Bible, God says, you do this, I'll do this. So it's conditional. And we are engaged in the process. This means that once I define my goal, I have to decide to do whatever it takes to reach the goal. That's what we, we've done some things that people go, well, why are you interacting changes? How come we're dropping off this? How come we're not doing Tuesday nights? Because we changed our goal. Our goal is to expand our life group. Our goal is to build up our, our workers and our base and our outreach in different areas. So you have to make change to do that. Well, it's going to make some people uncomfortable. I believe the end product is the, it will be greater than the uncomfortable ability. Well, yeah. Whatever we have to go through to get through all that and the adjustment period and all that, I believe the goal and and the end product will be worth the adjustment. Amen? And we'll make it through. It'll be greater on the other side. Praise the Lord. So look at this next point. We have to be willing to count the cost and then pay up. That's the problem. We want everything for free in America today. There's no such thing as free. Free. I like what I heard one place. Salvation is free, but it's not cheap. Amen. It's not cheap. It's free to you, and it's free to me. It's the free gift of God, but it was paid for by Christ. It wasn't free. Christ paid for it so it could be given freely to you. But it was paid for. Amen. Amen. And so understanding that, we have to learn, we think we just want everything for free. Anything you get for free, somebody had to pay for in order for it to get to you. There's no such thing as free. So when it comes to the natural, when we see something we want, we find out how much it costs, and then we decide if we're willing to pay for it. I'd like to have that. I think I could use that. How much does it cost? Then am I willing to pay for that in order to have that into my life? Years ago, even with Donnie, you get around Donnie and a lot of the young men that he mentored and raised up, they get around Donnie and say, well, I want to preach like Donnie. And then they started watching how he lived and the dedication that he had and what he give up, gave up to have what he was walking in. Wow, this comes at a price. Amen. I have a book in my library by a gentleman named Robert Thurden who wrote a book years ago entitled The Price of Spiritual Power. People want to walk in the anointing. They want to walk in the authority of God. There's a, a price to walk in the anointing. Can you say amen? So we have to find out what it is. And then we decide whether we want to pay for it now. And usually many times when we see things, if we want it now, it usually means we pay for it with interest. Because we're using buying things, not by cash, but on credit. I was thinking about that. Anyway, I, I can't get distracted. I won't feed my message. Or else we can wait, we can wait until later when we can afford it and actually need it. When it comes to purchasing things, you have two choices, or acquiring things in your life. You can either pay for it now, and it usually is paid for with interest, or else you can save and wait for it and prepare for it when you can actually afford it and actually need it. Amen? Amen? Think about it. The same is true in spiritual matters. If you get too far ahead, I know people try to run ahead of God and make ministry for themselves. Amen. And they're not ready and it costs them more than they thought that it would. Same is true in relationships. Relationships. Some people enter into relationships way too soon. Amen. And then it costs them more than they thought it would. I said in first service, I'll say it again. Earlier, when we were raising our kids up and doing that, um, I, I grown up. We just had all kinds of freedom and doing everything. And so you watch kids today. And I always encourage parents when our kids growing up, we had a standard in our home that, that we we never allowed dating uh, while they were living at home because we didn't want them to practice disposable relationships. Amen. I want to teach them relationships are costly relationships to invite somebody into your life comes at a cost and kids aren't old enough and they don't have the ability to afford that and so i don't want to teach them that oh i can like you and then if i don't like you more i can throw you away and find somebody else to like later so we just teach them to practice divorce don't shout me down when i'm preaching real good anyway I mean, you raise your kids any way you want. I raised our kids knowing, hey, we're not going to practice divorce. So, and when they were living at home, and, and as they got up and then they're living going to college and stuff like that, I said, well, you know, I like to get into a relationship, like start dating. I said, well, you can't go to school and, and focus on the education and be involved in a relationship. You'll get distracted. So I said, if you want to do that, you're free to move out and pay for your own education and pay for your own home. Well, I can't afford to do that. Well, you can't afford to do that. You can't afford to be in a relationship. Because until you can support yourself, that's what I tell young ladies. Young ladies, if you want to get in a relationship with God, does he have a car, does he have a job, and does he live in his own place? If he doesn't have a car, and he doesn't have a job, and he still lives at home, move on, honey. Because <laughs> yeah. i tell you what, he has no goals. And he has no desire, he's not achieving. Anyway, move and get back to my message. <laughs> relationships, relationships. Everyone has been in the place where they wish they would have waited. Wish you would have waited. Why did I buy that now? Why didn't we wait to when we could really afford it? Now we're under the burden of owning that. I've watched people over the years buy houses in the wrong time. Because the market said if you don't buy now, prices will, interest will never be that low. Prices will never be this low again. And then everything crashes. The market does this. If you respond in the wrong place, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever, walk in the wisdom of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Once we decide and make a commitment to have that thing, that person, whatever it is, we often have to give up something else in its place. For something new to come into your life, you have to make room for that to come in. You have to make room for things to enter your life. And they come at a price. Paul made the decision That what he saw in Christ was worth, write this down, everything. Paul said Christ was worth everything. He said, I've counted everything as loss that I may get. So gaining Christ into my life is worth everything I have. It's not a loss to me. What I get in exchange is worth it all. Amen. Amen. I tell people this all the time. When I entered into a relationship with my wife, I disqualified myself from being in a relationship with any other woman. How me know what I'm saying. For me to enter into a relationship with her means that I have to disqualify myself. Because she occupies that space. She occupies that place. Not a, it's, it's not a place for multiple occupants. There's space there for one person. She's missing a great place to say Amen. Amen. 39 years later, it's still her space. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So something has to go up. And people say, well, I've talked to him, well, how how come I still can't have all my friends? Because that isn't how that works. To invite somebody else in, you have to give up other things. There's a cost to that in serving Christ. People say, well, can I be a Christian and still do all this stuff? No. If you want Christ to come in, there's some other relationships you're going to have to do away with. So he has to be first. She, by, by position and relationship, has the first place in my life. Do you understand that? But it begins with Christ being first. And so if I'm not allowed to make Christ first, I'll never really have a full relationship. I'll never really know what it means to have a relationship with God. Because I, I'm sharing my affection and my time and my interest with so many other areas. We don't have a one-on-one relationship. All right, moving right along. Paul made the decision that what he saw was worth everything. Nothing comes into our life for free. Everything has a price and a choice on our part to pay. Everything that comes into your life has a price and a choice connected to it in order for it to work. Think about it. As children, we go through the time of provision. But as adults, we assume the role of the provider. As children... Your children, my children, my grandchildren. My grandkids are awesome. They are. They get up in the morning, they go, What's for breakfast? I go, Do I look like your dad? (laughs) (laughs) Rise, kill, and eat. I don't care. Amen. No. But they get up, they come out of the tent, there's hot water, hot chocolate. Papa's making them hot chocolate. Would you like some bacon? Would you like some egg? How about blueberry pancakes? How about this? How about that? You know, they go, oh, yeah. They just said, oh, that was awesome. I'm going, yeah, I'm going to take notes. One day, you'll be the dad. One day, you'll be the papa. One day, you'll be here. You will be the provider. Because the natural transition is, as kids, we live in a place where we are recipients, and we receive but as we mature we grow to the place where we become the provider even in your walk with God you're supposed to be the place of the place of disciple as newborn babe but then the ministry come to equip you to go from just being a receiver to being a provider To where you are now sowing into others. You are now provided. You've been nurtured. You've been cared for. You've been matured and raised up in Christ. And now it's your turn to give out of yourself and to care for others. And then to nurture them up so the cycle will continue. Are you with me? Amen. And so we need to understand that. You can write this down at the bottom of your page right there. But everything is a harvest of a seed sown. Everything in your life is a harvest of a seed sown. Listen to what Paul said. He said that in order to gain Christ, I'm willing to sow everything I was in order to gain Christ. I understand it's coming at a price and a choice, and I choose to sow everything I have to gain Him. It's worth it all when you evaluate things and you measure it out. Everything in your life is a byproduct of a seed that has been sown. Look at the next point on the top of the page. You cannot afford the luxury of looking back at what it costs. We can't afford the luxury. It's, Paul, looking back, you'll never make it forward. That's why Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget the past, and I just keep moving forward. I'm not going to look at what I gave up. I'm just going to keep pressing forward. Looking back takes your eyes off of your goal. Fill in the next line. Looking back takes your eyes off of your goal. Looking back clouds your vision and brings confusion. Costs you much. What am I going to do? Hey, it's worth it all. Just keep moving forward. Are you doing all right? Amen. Hey ben. Heard somebody say it years ago, and depending on what it is, if, if you walk into a, a Ferrari dealership or anything else, and you have to ask how much it costs, you need to just leave because you can't afford it anyway. If you ask how much it costs, you can't afford it anyway. Amen. When you get that place that you're willing to pay it, you just go, "Okay, I don't need to know how much. Cost. I'm here to do it. I'm here to buy." When I go in to do something, I already know what I can afford. I know what I'm going to do. I'm not looking for it. I'm, I'm looking. I know my figure. How many know what I'm saying? But if you have to ask and you're trying to work it around, you're probably going to get yourself in hot water, and you're going to regret the purchase later. Can you say amen? So don't ask, just keep moving forward. Count the cost, lay it down, and keep going. No one in life ever reaches their goal looking back. Nobody reaches their goal looking back. Don't look back, look forward. Winners know how to forget the past, both good and bad. Because good was not the best, and the bad could have been worse. Amen? The bad could have been worse. I love, I love the Apostle Paul. Read, go, go home this afternoon and read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul goes, man, if you want to talk about credentials and going through stuff, I, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten three times, uh, uh, beaten with whips three times. I've been stoned, whipped with rods, so whips and rods. I've been shipwrecked. I've been stoned and left for dead. I've been imprisoned and chained without measure. Every time Paul preached, they either beat him, whipped him, threw him in prison, or run him out of town or stoned him. And then he goes, hey, these are my light afflictions, but for a moment. Amen. And I'm wearing Ron's thing that he put up here, and he just says, hey, these are temporal. This too shall pass. This will pass. Amen. So you just don't look back. Just keep looking forward. It's the price of gaining Christ. Keep going through it. Keep pressing through it. Can you say amen? amen? How many have been reading your devotional? Did you get your book and your devotional yet? You're missing good stuff. On on Wednesday, the devotion was on fear, how to overcome fear. Just a couple things here. Look okay. at considering how dangerous everything is. Nothing is really frightening. <laughs> yeah. It says this here. It is. Uh, so he says, humanly speaking, there are no guarantees in life. We look to many things to protect us: insurance policies, burger alarms, traveler's checks, aspirin, umbrellas, GPS systems, and airbags. But the truth is, life is dangerous. Damaging to your health and will eventually kill you. So you might as well live to the fullest. Not bound by fear, but live to the fullest. Amen? And so there are two things that are ever-present with us in life. Fear and faith. And every day you live to choose one or the other. Choose faith. Amen. That's true. I'm sorry to tell you, you were born to die. So while you're alive, live full. Live full. Live to your fullest. Live full on. Believe in God. Count the cost and keep pressing forward. Amen? Reaching the top will mean making some hard choices. Let's just look at this overview as the worship team comes back. I'm going to give you these 11 things as I end today. Watch this. You read through the Philippians 3 with me. Paul started out saying this. There are things in people to be aware of. things and people to beware of. Beware of dogs. Beware of the mutilation. Beware of the circumcision. Beware of that. Beware of people and things. There are some things you just need to watch out for and people you need to watch out for. Secondly, he said there was importance of having your confidence in the right things. Paul says, I have no confidence in In who I was and in the flesh. My confidence is in this: That I worship God in spirit. That I rejoice in Jesus Christ. Amen. And that I have no confidence in the flesh. So he said, the, so I, don't, I used to be there. If you want to have confidence in the flesh, he gave his whole pedigree. He says, I count all that as dung. I have these three things that I'm confident in. And in verse 3, he laid them out. Worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Jesus Christ. Have no confidence in the flesh. Number three, he said we would have to know what we wanted to gain and what we are willing to lose. What are you willing to lose to gain Christ? What are you willing to lose? You have to know what you want and what are you willing to lose. See, a lot of people, my pastor said this about ministry. A lot of people want to go in the ministry and serve God. The question is, can you pay the price? Nothing comes without a price. There's no free ministry. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you things with your family. In fact, I listened yesterday. There's one thing that I heard over and over. As different people got up to eulogize Donnie I remember Eric Sanchez saying age player he says Wendy, Brooke Anna, DJ thank you for sharing your dad with us thank you for the nights, the days the weeks that you allowed him to be gone to minister to us cost you something to say yes to God so you have to know what you want and know what you're willing to lose you may lose time with some people other areas do things Paul said Jesus is worth it all number four he said we can't afford to be self righteous and win verse 9 Paul said "I'm, I'm not looking for my own righteousness I'm not looking for my own righteousness Number five, he would said we'd have to be willing to be conformed or transformed to truly reach the top. That we might be conformed to his image. That God, as he said in verse 10 there, being conformed to his death to truly reach the top. Number six. He told us to be careful not to think we are there before we really are. Paul said, I haven't arrived yet. The pitfall of ministry in Christianity is we think we've already gotten there. And when I think I've already arrived in my walk with God, I no longer need to be taught. I no longer need to be instructed. I'm no longer teachable. In fact, I think everything is for somebody else. You know who need to hear that. You read verses. I know somebody who needs this verse. I have a word for everybody else except for myself. Amen. And so the problem is. Is you begin to find yourself digressing backwards. Because that leads to self-righteousness. And it leads to destruction. Amen. Number seven. He said winners never quit. Pressing for the top. Verse 13. I press for the prize. Of the upward call. Number eight. He said we should evaluate and know where we are on the ladder. Verse 16, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained. Where are you at? Keep growing. Never stop climbing. He said, I don't count myself to arrive, and so we're at a level, but let's just keep attaining. To the degree we have attained, let's just keep going a little bit higher. Let's push our walk a little bit higher. Could you say amen? Number nine. He said, wise men find a pattern and an example to follow. Verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Number 10, he said, wise men are careful about who they follow. He said, we've given you the right pattern to follow. He said, there's others that's always coming in, asking you to follow them. And they're leading you in the wrong direction. And lastly, he said, never take your eyes off of the goal. Verses 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. And the Lord is coming bow your heads with me this morning let me ask you what's your goal as a Christian somebody said are, are you a Christian yes well, what do you desire to be as a Christian what do you want to do for God how do you want to live for God what's your goal in serving Christ Well, I don't know I just want to Be nice and make it to heaven. But how many know we could raise the bar? So I'm asking you this morning, what's your goal? What do you want to achieve? Everybody look back up here just for a moment. Sports is a great comparison. The goal of playing sports is to win. We live in a stupid society. Because we're taking winning out of our society and we think everybody should get the same prize just for participating so now we're saying our little kids we're taking our little kids and say come out here and play this game but nobody gets to win and we're not going to keep score how many know that's not real life in real life there are winners and there are losers and so you train kids and you want to desire for them to want to compete Paul says everybody runs in a race but not all win Paul says run to win run to win do whatever bring your body subject yourself train yourself get ready but run to win what's the difference between a champion this is what they said about Donnie's brother said about him yesterday he said Donnie from a very early age all he wanted to do was win at everything fight to win he said, We never let Donnie tighten anything down. If we we're working on things, he had to tighten it down. so. so we, we would, but we would always call him to loosen things up. Because he's strong enough to, and if anything had to be carried, we call him because he's always strong. But he, he just always had to win, driven to win. And it drove him to be excellent at performing his sports. he was driven his whole life. And then when he gave his life to Christ, he was driven to one thing. To win one more soul and win one more soul and win one more soul. And unless he was winning souls, he wasn't winning. But he was driven to be a champion. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You have to have something. You have to have a drive on the inside of you to win in some capacity. In your walk with God, your relationship with God. There has to be something connected that declares winning. Are you with me? To choose to win. Even if just one person. Make it your goal, your desire to win. We're not, we're just, well, I just want to part. I just believe I get my ribbon at the end. No. Choose to win. People look a lot of different things. The Warriors just won the championship. I was excited. Once I decided, I decided that, that Kevin Durant won MVP twice. And you don't win back-to-back league MVPs in the championship twice without being driven to win and without paying the price to be a winner and showing up and doing the work when nobody else is showing up and doing that and paying the price. But then you can't win alone. You have to win as a team. And that's what you saw different. You saw, if you're into that, you, you saw two teams. You saw one team with one person that basically tried to do it all himself, and he saw another team that worked together, and they supported every day. and out of that support. And so Kevin Durant was out another team, but he, he came to be a part of this because his goal was to win championships. He not, not just to make the money, but he wanted to win championships. He wanted to be, something in him was striven to be a champion. And the Lord declared you to be his champions. But there has to be something. so to rise up on the inside and say, God, I want to be a champion for you. I want to be a winner for you. But you're going to have to give yourself a goal. What do you want to win in Christ? What do you want to win for Him? What do you want to do and achieve for him? Build tiny houses. Help rescue veterans. Do something. Say, God, give me a goal and a dream to go after something that I could win in Christ. doing. Bow your head to me again. Thank you. So what's your goal? What's your goal in Christ? Do you have one? Have you set a goal today? Ask God to give you a goal in him. Say, Lord, give me a goal. Drop something in my heart. Break my heart in some area that breaks your. Show me something. Use me in a way to reach people for you. For you to flow through my life. God, I want you to flow through my life. Could be helping homeless people, destitute people, single people, drug addicts, recovery, God could use, there, there's, there's endless possibilities where God could use you and raise you up to be a champion for Him. Climbing your ladder, reaching that place of effectiveness in Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want to pray for you right now. You begin winning the day you accept Christ in your life. The Apostle Paul went through all this stuff, did all this religion, and then he had an encounter with Jesus, gave his life to Christ, and experiencing God inside, not just outside, not just an outside relationship with God, but God on the inside. Paul wrote, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Changed his life when he realized Christ was in him. He gave away everything up to possess that life and to develop and live for that life that was now in him. You're here today, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ. You've never fully allowed Him that place in your life. Oh, you know about Him, but like I said earlier with Sue, you have all these other relationships. He's one of all relationships you have, but you've never made Him the relationship of your life. Jesus first above everybody else. You're here today. And you would like to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. First in your life. I want you to stand right where you're at. If that's anybody in this room. that's you. Just stand right where you're at. Say yes Lord. I'm making you Lord of my life today. Anybody at all? Everybody here has made that declaration? Then let's all stand together. Hallelujah. I put a challenge out to first service. And we have fewer in the first service than we do in the second service. But the challenge was this. To believe that God could use you to reach just one person. And if you're here today and you'd like God to use you to reach one person, I want you to come up here. I'm going to give everybody a card. And we're going to pray over these cards. And I'm going to ask you to let God use you to reach one person this week. If that's you, come on up here. I don't care if it's the whole church. we got enough cards for everybody. But you say, God, we're just going to pray. Come on. We're pressing for the prize. Amen. This is that area. See, there's a place, like I said, there's a place where where, where we receive, and then there's a place where we are the provider. We move from the receiver to being the provider, to believe that God would use you to just make a goal. I'm going to help you with just start with one goal. Lord, let me reach one person, just one person. And when I do that, I'm going to give you these cards. I'm going to ask you to just do this. I want you to pray over this card this week. Say, Lord, lead me to the person that you would have me give this card to. Lead me to the person. 75% of all people that come to church come because a person invited them. Not because they saw it on a website or they saw an advertisement, but somebody actually said, hey, would you like to come to church? Here, I'd like to invite you. And because through a personal contact, a personal invitation, three-quarters of the people that go to church come because somebody invited them to come as a friend. So as a goal, just say, God, thank you for what you're doing in my life. Now use me. The best way to grow as a believer is to let God use you, help somebody out. Wherever you're at, there's somebody under rocks below you. I want you to get that. Say, Lord, lead me to the person that's under the avalanche of life. Amen. When you see that rubble, and you see those rescue people going in there, and they haul in there, hey, are you okay? Would you like to stay under there? Everything all right? Maybe a little water. You know, it gets you a happy meal. And you'd be okay if you just stayed there, right? No, get me out. out. I want out. Amen.